open your Bibles this morning to the book of Romans. We're going to take a step out of Luke uh, at least for a week uh, and go to the book of Romans chapter one. And we're going to talk about thankfulness. Now, if you've been around me very long, you know, I don't normally go as Thanksgiving week. We've got to preach on thankfulness on Sunday or if it's Valentine's week well, we're preaching on love this week. Uh, I feel like it's always because I'm supposed to do that. I kind of veer away from it. Like I don't want to go with the, the norm. If I feel like somebody's telling me other than the Lord what to do on it, uh, I'm, I'm going to, to kind of pull back against that. That may be one of my own personal personality flaws. But this, he, he actually began to deal with me about this and brought this uh, scripture uh, to my heart and my mind this week. And I, I just couldn't shake it out of the book of Romans. Uh, when I was in, when I went to Honduras with the team from here in 2015, I met a new friend down there, a guy. Uh, and uh, he, he was from there, so he couldn't speak English. I couldn't speak Spanish. We were talking through uh, a translator. He's a brother in Christ. He asked me a question that I really hadn't given a lot of thought to before. He said, what's your favorite book in the Bible? And I was always kind of like, well, you shouldn't have a favorite book, right? You know, you just love the whole thing. The whole thing is God inspired, but that's really not true. We, we have areas that really have ministered to us and are so special to us that we go back to. And I, I kind of was put on the spot there and I didn't, I, I thought about it. I said, well, I'd have to say that it's Romans uh, because there's not a, a book in Scripture that tastes as good on my tongue when I'm reading it out loud as the book of Romans. And again, it's all God inspired. It's all beautiful. I love it all. But this has meant so much to me, uh, the, the, the book of Romans. And, and it was when I really fell in love with Scripture. I'd read Scripture before. I'd studied Scripture before. I'd preached Scripture even before. But when I really found myself just falling head over heels in love with Scripture, uh, the book of Romans was the door to that uh, for me. And huge, gigantic part of that uh, that I'm so thankful for, a person who really introduced me to the beauty uh, of Scripture is uh, Sister Doris Strickland, uh, who, who most of you know, some of you may not. She hadn't been able to be here uh, recently, she's been uh, graciously and selflessly uh, given herself to the care of her uh, homebound mother. Uh, but she was teaching, uh, gosh, it's been probably 10 years ago now, uh, a, a, an adult class before service um, that I'd never been to before. And we had a couple and their child had visited the church on a Sunday morning. I knew them from school and so I'm visiting with them. They're like, what do y'all have like at Sunday school or anything like that? And I said, well, we still have this adult class. It was kind of a holdover from when we had a whole bunch of classes uh, for, for Sunday school, you know, before kind of formats changed and things like that. And they said, well, how, what, what, what kind of goes on there? And I felt weird because I didn't know. I'd never been before. And uh, so, well, you know, and I just kind of, but then I was, it kind of stuck with me and it was gnawing at me later on in the day. And uh, I felt like the Lord was really saying, I want you to go. I want you to go to this class uh, that they have on, on Sunday morning. I told Kelly that and she uh, said I could uh, leave her with the kids and, and come early. And I came and uh, Sister Doris was teaching the scripture in uh, a, a way that I had never been taught the scripture before. She would just take these big chunks and, and, and begin to explain and unfold the beauty of the gospel uh, out of scripture. 
And, and again, I was, I was saved, loved the Lord, was even preaching uh, at, at that time. But that was the point in my life that I can point back to and say that I just completely fell in love with reading and studying the scripture. Not that I hadn't before, not that I didn't love the Lord, but it took, to, it, took it to another level, maybe is what I would say. So, so thankful for her, Sister Doris. I don't know if you're able to watch this this morning, but I love you, appreciate you and all that you've done uh, in my life. So all that to lead up to reading out of this passage in the book of Romans, chapter one and verse 18. The book of Romans in large part is Paul laying out in uh, beautiful order uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, how it actually works and, and, and what it actually means for the world and for us in it. And, and he begins talking about uh, in, in chapter one, started here in verse 18, he says, God's anger is shown from heaven, or your version may say God shows his wrath from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky and through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities or attributes, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, verse 21, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Let's pray over the word as we get into it this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that our love for it continues to grow. And Lord, if, if my preaching and teaching can, can turn one person's heart up a notch when it comes to your scripture, Lord, use me to do that. I, I thank you that we have your word, your revealed nature and character, the truth about how life really works. And I thank you, Lord, that you've given us that. You haven't hidden it from us, but you reveal it to us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So here in chapter one, he's talking about he talks about the gospel and I'd love to spend some time there. God's good news. But he talks about God's anger. It seems that the wrath of God or the anger of God is revealed from heaven against those uh, who work wickedness, sinfulness and suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So, you know, you hear about these things, the wrath of God. You usually think about, uh, you know, asteroids hitting the earth and plagues and things like that, that the wrath of God. But what we'll see in Romans chapter one, if we were to keep on going, that the wrath of God primarily in our lives is when God turns us over to that which we've replaced him with. He turns us over to the insufficiency of the things that we've chosen to worship and serve and follow other than him. And, and if you think that through, that, that's a very, very terrible situation to be in, to be turned over to the insufficiency of something that is not God. But it says it's revealed against those who work wickedness, sinfulness, and suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Truth. What is truth? The, the truth that it's referring to here is that God is there. 
And as one author said, he is there and he is not silent. He speaks and he lets you know who he is and how the world works. The truth is that God is there and it says he's made that obvious to us. It said you would know that God is there even if you never had the scripture laid in front of you because you've seen what he has created. In creation itself, you see the glory and the evidence of an almighty, eternal, everlasting God. It says he's made it obvious even in creation. So even for those that haven't heard or know all about him, he's made it obvious that he's there and leaves us without excuse for not knowing that. And the verse that kept coming back and where we'll kind of linger today is verse 21, especially the beginning of verse 21. It says, yes, though they knew God. Why do they know it? Because they had been exposed to what he had done. There, there's a sense that he is there that we've all felt that we've all experienced. Even though they knew God, they wouldn't worship him as God or even give thanks. And that's in the New Living. The way I learned it first was in the New King James. It says, though they knew God, they wouldn't acknowledge him as God, nor were they thankful. And that was the word that kept coming back. It was Thanksgiving week, thankfulness. Although they knew God, they wouldn't acknowledge him or worship him as God, nor were they thankful. And that led me to this thought for this week. And now this is going to be really deep. So I need you to hold on and not miss this. Really deep. It's really complicated. But this Thursday is what? Thanksgiving. That's what it says on the calendar. If you've got a little calendar at your house, if you still have one of those, even though we have one on the phone, you've got ones hanging in the kitchen, wherever in the house. Thursday, it's going to say Thanksgiving. It's across our whole country. They celebrate Thanksgiving in other countries in the world. I didn't realize this. They do it. Maybe not on the same schedule that we do. Maybe a different time, maybe in October. But it's Thanksgiving. It's the name of the holiday. It's a national holiday. The post office is going to be closed. Banks will be closed. All of that is closed. National holiday. Thanksgiving. And so my question is, to whom are we giving thanks? To whom are we giving thanks? It's the name of the holiday, that it's the day of giving thanks. To whom are we giving thanks? And I know it'd be, it, it's simple as, as believers, right? We think well, we, we give thanks to God for all of the blessings that we enjoy, all the things. But then I'm reading, I was like, I'm going to look up a little bit of information about Thanksgiving. So I went to the most trusted source, Wikipedia. It's a sarcasm, but it's a good so it's, it's one of the most used sources in our country. If you know what Wikipedia is, it's an encyclopedia that you can actually make contributions to. So if you wanted to put a page up there about Kemper Pyle and put the biographical history of Kemper Pyle on there, you could do that. Uh, now, they may take it down. I don't know. They may say we don't have enough space. Or maybe that's inappropriate. I'm not sure. But you can do that. It's, it's crowdsourced information and it's monitored. You know, they have people that do that. It's a nonprofit organization. And so they put up this information and somebody wrote some information about Thanksgiving. Some of it I found helpful. Some of it I found very difficult to understand. One of the things, so if you just Google what is Thanksgiving, it's probably going to pull up the link to this Wikipedia page in, in part of your answer. And it said that uh, Thanksgiving has historical roots in religious and cultural traditions. Religious meaning Christianity, the, the, the religious tradition of, yes, we give thanks to God for the things that we enjoy. So it has roots in uh, religious and cultural, so America, 
right? Because we started observing it, the religious holiday. So there's a cultural deal there. But then it also says it can be a secular holiday as well. And that blew my mind. Because secular means the absence of belief, religious belief, or spirituality. It's just secular, means that God's not involved. So I'm scratching my head going, if we have a secular holiday that's called Thanksgiving, to whom are we giving thanks? If God's not involved, who are we giving thanks to? Again, secular meaning no religious or spiritual basis. So if you're having a secular Thanksgiving, and you see this happen, right? Where we gather, we, we do things and there's a celebration, but God's not involved. It's like, this is in the name of the thing. What are we, what are we doing? To whom are we giving thanks? And what I'm seeing and you see this across multiple holidays that have their roots in religious celebration is a suppression of the truth. What it's really about, where it really came from, what Romans, people that suppress, hold back, try to silence the truth. But we still want to do stuff. Right. We have it in our in our genes. You know, culturally, it's tradition. We've always done this. Grandma did it. Great grandma did it. We've always done this. We've always gotten together. We want to do something. But we don't really want it to be under the under the guide of who it was really about. So there's a suppression of the truth. And you see this with Thanksgiving. What's something else that people call it? Turkey Day. We call it Turkey Day, right? Happy Turkey Day. And I thought about that. I've said that before. Hey, that's kind of just a cute little thing. But then in studying this, I was like, why do we do that? Why would we do that? to take away the name Thanksgiving and make it about the bird. What a terrible holiday it would be if it was just about a turkey. Most people, what you figure out is most people don't even like turkey at Thanksgiving. The tur- what, what do we have left over? Turkey. What goes the fastest? Ham. People are eating the ham, are they eating the turkey? No, why? Because whoever cooked it probably dried it out. And it's harder to do that with ham. So what we call it, it's tur- turkey day. You know, on Easter, we have the Easter bunny. You have eggs and you see how you can have an observance of the holiday, the holy day that's completely separate from what it's actually about. Christmas, his name is in the thing. Christ, his title, the anointed one and his anointing. And what's it what's it moving towards? Happy holidays. We can't call it that because if we call it that at some point, somebody's going to ask, what's Christmas mean? Oh, well, it's. Yeah, and it's suppressed. So Turkey Day, Easter Bunny. And and now look, Santa Claus, he can be fine. Again, Advent's coming up. I'm not going to punch it, the jolly old elf, too much today. I did tell Kelly, I said, I think I'm going to punch it Santa this Sunday. I said, how hard should I punch? She said, not too hard. (laughs) It's Santa, right? But, But I want you to ask yourself. Because Advent is coming up to us. Thanksgiving and Christmas, this is a, it's, a, it's the beginning of the holiday season, right? Not a bad thing to call it that. It's the beginning of the holiday season. So if, if, we, if we're doing Santa, and you have to be careful about this because people will leave the church if you say bad things about Santa. Just go, I'm going to go to a church where they believe in Santa, I guess. I don't know. But do our kids know more about Santa Claus than they do about Jesus? Do they know more about Santa Claus than they do about Jesus? Again, you want to do 
Santa Claus at your house, that, that, that's fine. Get at it. But Jesus' title is in the name of the day. And yet our celebrations culturally get more and more secular. You see, how do you have a secular Christmas? It's bananas. And still call it Christmas. We're going to get together and have Christmas. And God's not even close. Not even close to the actual celebration. And that was what I wanted for my kids. So when we were talking about saying, if you want, again, if you want to do it, do it. Here's what we've done at our house. And I didn't expect to go this way with it being Thanksgiving. When, when we were growing up, Kelly's family had Santa Claus. Believe 100% Santa Claus. My family, no, we didn't. We didn't. Now, we still watch the movie, The Santa Claus. We still, if there was a mall Santa, we'd go see the mall Santa. We knew it was just a dude, right? But it was cool. It was, kind of, it was pretend. And my parents let us in on the fact that it was pretend. They didn't tell us that this is the truth. There's this man and he has a beard and he's going to go to all the houses in the world. Right. They didn't tell us that. They let us in on the fact like this is pretend. Some people believe it's completely real. We don't. We're the ones that buy your presents. We're not letting anybody else get credit for that. We want you to understand that. And, and you don't be mean to kids at school. If they say they believe in Santa, you just rock right along. You know, you, 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 you do what you do. But they let us in on the fact that it was pretend. And when people ask me, because I get asked every year, inevitably, people will ask, what do y'all do? Do y'all do, do Santa Claus at your house? And it's a loaded question again, because there's people with passionate beliefs when it comes to Santa. And I'm not saying you got to get rid of, you got to get rid of Santa. But here's what I tell them. I, I tell them, you know what I really want uh, is for my kids to trust me. I want them to trust me. And if I tell them, you know, hey, there's a magic man and a sleigh with reindeer and it's super real. And there's also a lady who will come and take your tooth and give you a dollar. And it's super real. And there's also a bunny. And listen, super real when they're three and four and five years old. They're going to get older and they're going to start to sniff out. That's not really real, is it? Or they're going to start to ask questions. And then you can choose. You know, some people are like, I really want to keep this going because it's so much fun. It is fun. Hey, pretend it's, it's fun. But they start asking questions. And then what does that force me to do? I have to make something up or sometimes we call it, you know, I'm not being honest. Again, it's playing. We're having fun, but they're not in on the playing. And so when they finally come to the point where they realize, oh, wait, that's all fake. But you were telling me that it was real. Yeah, I know. But it was fun, right? It was fun. Yeah, it was. OK, now I want to talk to you about Jesus. Because, see, I'm telling them about Jesus at the exact same time that I'm telling them about Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and Tooth Fairy. And again, do those. You can do those at your house. Have fun. Whatever. But do your kids know more about Jesus and how much do you want them to trust you when you tell them about him? Do you not want him to get lumped in on the pile of mythical figures that you played around with, but that weren't real? And again, do it. Have fun. It, it's not legalism. It's just my heart was I want them to trust me. And again, they watch the movies. They like the shows. They like the decorations. It, it's a fun part of the holiday. My encouragement would be let them in on the pretending because that's what we knew. And that seemed to really help me. But what I'm seeing, again, when it comes to Thanksgiving, when it comes to Christmas, all of our holy days, all of our observances, we're getting more and more secular. There's a progressive abandonment of the meaning and the purpose for these days. I don't know if I quoted that. 
Oh, it's down here. I'll get to it in a minute because I don't want to miss that. Uh, but bleeding into our holidays and our special observances is this progressive uh, secularism, right? Where God is removed in the observance. We're still doing it, but most people don't know why it is that we're doing it, right? So in the Old Testament, when God instituted a holiday, a holy day, a special day, he did it for a purpose. You, you can read about it in, in the book of Exodus in chapter 12 when he implemented the Passover, right? Because they were in Egypt. And he said, in the last plague, the angel of death is going to pass over the city and every firstborn in the city is going to die, except for those who have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. And he delivered them out of the nation of Egypt that night, defeated a whole nation without picking up a sword. And he said, I always want you to remember this. So I'm going to institute a regular meal that you'll have where you'll talk about this. And he said, the reason I want you to do this, or it, it adds in this, your kids are going to ask, why do we do this? Your kids are going to ask, why do we eat the unleavened bread? What, what is this about? Because God's planning on generations going by. See, we, we, we get caught up in days and moments and, and weeks, and he's working in ages and generations. And he knows that two generations from then, there's not going to be anybody alive who was there when they put the blood on the doorpost, who remembers when God led them out of Egypt. And he said, I want you to keep doing this. So when you're doing this, they ask, why are we doing this? What is this special day for? And it gives time to reinforce there's a God in heaven and he's for us and he delivered us out of the nation of Egypt when we were helpless and could do nothing to save ourselves. He delivered us out. Again, even once it got to the point that the parents of the parents of the parents weren't there. None of them were alive when it happened. They're passing it down. God is faithful. And there was a reason and a power in the observance of those special days. And that's what we want to maintain with the special days that we have, whether it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter. We don't want to lose the power and the point of the special day. George Washington, I read this on Wikipedia, so he proclaimed the first national observance of Thanksgiving. So nationwide, all the nation that existed in 1789, November 26, 1789, he declared a day of public Thanksgiving and prayer. Public thanksgiving and prayer. So it was clear, here's what we're celebrating. Here's what we're doing on this day. We want to prayerfully, thankfully honor God for everything that he has done in our life. The evidence of his goodness that's all around us. And so here we are this many years later celebrating and observing Thanksgiving. Are we giving thanks? As a nation, are we giving thanks? And you have to be careful. You know, we, we get all excited when, oh, the president called for a national day of prayer. He called for a national, and it's good. It's good that he does that. You know what, he, you know what they usually don't say? Who are we praying to? Who are we praying to? What what? What access, what, why don't we have access to pray to this nameless deity that you call for a day of prayer to? And we think, you know, everybody thinks when he calls for a day of prayer, he's talking about the way we pray. But you'll notice it's getting much, much more generic. 
which is a what? It's oppression of the truth, which the Bible calls unrighteousness. But if we're celebrating Thanksgiving, observing it, are we giving thanks? And if so, to whom are we giving thanks to? And why, why, why talk about this today? Because I couldn't not. He just kept bringing it up in front of me and, and I saw it differently. I've never asked myself that question before. Hey, we, we all call it Thanksgiving. Are we even giving thanks? And if so, to whom? Because it's important that we make those details clear because we see a slide to loss of meaning and loss of purpose. And when we do things, but we don't know why we do them, you lose the meaning, you lose the power, and it gets dangerous. It gets dangerous. When I was growing up, uh, my grandparents owned a, a convenience store in, in Bearden, convenience store and a clothing store. And my dad, for many years, ran the convenience store. And the convenience store never closed. I think in the history of the store, it might have closed, you know, except for like power outages or maybe something like that, which was even rare. Then might have two or three times when my great grandfather died. I think when my grandfather died, maybe not. And then when my dad passed away so they could have his funeral, the employees could come, they, they closed the store. So the store didn't close. And we'd be having Thanksgiving at home and everybody's coming in. It's Thanksgiving. And he's having to go up to the store to, to do stuff. And I was like, why don't you just close the store? It's Thanksgiving. Why don't you close the store? And he said, Steve, I always remember this. He said, Stephen, it's not Thanksgiving for everybody. It's not Thanksgiving for everybody. Some people, it's just Thursday and they're by themselves and they want to come buy some, you know, chips, candy, a drink. They need to get out. They need stuff at their house. They're not doing Thanksgiving. It's not Thanksgiving for everybody. And, that, and what he meant was not everybody has family. Not everybody is together. Not everybody gathers around a meal. And so there's people that are getting left in the dust because they, they don't have those things that make up the elemental, you know, American traditional Thanksgiving. And so the very uh, ones that would be most joyful to experience a true relationship with Christ, what we're actually being thankful for, they're separated from it because they lack some of those elements. You know, they're alone. How much better is it to receive the good news when we're in loneliness and darkness and hopelessness? And those were the people he was talking about, the people that are estranged from their family. Or maybe their family is awful or maybe they have lived their life in such a way that it's caused them to be separated from everyone who used to love them. How much do they need the good news? And Thanksgiving is empty completely for them. So we see that it's not Thanksgiving for everybody. And then what we also see is even the people that are getting together. You may have people that are getting together all at grandma's house, all at somebody's house. We got a lot of food. We're watching football. Everybody's sitting around and we have a have a time doing that. We get so full. We may take a nap and then we go home and God is nowhere in it. Our thoughts don't turn towards him. Our heart isn't pulled towards him at all. Is that beneficial for us either? Have we lost the meaning there? It says in Romans, they knew the truth. You can see him even in creation. He's made himself his eternal power in his divine nature, plain to us. We know the truth that he's there. He's revealed himself, that it's a life beyond what we could dream or imagine. But see, here's the problem. 
Because that sounds, sounds like super easy. It's awesome God. He's really big. He's really great. He loves you. What's the disconnect? What's the problem there? Why, why isn't everybody just going, I'm in with that? Because it requires repentance. It requires me to come clean about who I am and how I need him. And then not only that, but it also puts him in lordship over my life where he directs it and not me, which means humility. I can't be thankful without being humble. Because even if you do something for me that I didn't have to do, my, it humbles me. Right. You did that for me to help me. You at least thought or noticed that I needed help with something and there's humility in thankfulness. And those things are hard for us, for our human hearts to want to walk in and accept. We'd rather walk in the safety of being unknown and proud than being known and humbled and thankful. There's a draw to one away from the other, even though this one is so much more blessed our hearts have a hard time with that. It's even impossible for us. That's why we need his grace to receive this salvation. So the truth that it's talking about in Romans that they suppress, that we can say we suppress, is the knowledge of God. That he's there. That he is. And, and, and the more we know him, just like we talked about after we sang, it rolls up into worship and thankfulness. It says, though they knew God, they didn't worship him, nor were they thankful, which tells me knowing God should breed in me worship and thankfulness. But instead, let's, let's keep reading. Looking back at verse 21, they knew God, they wouldn't worship him or even give thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Why? Because they didn't try to know him. So their mind got bent. It says, as a result, their minds became dark and confused. You wonder how people can do the things they do today, how culture can go the direction it's going today. The darkness and the confusion of a mind that is far from God. It's really simple how that works. It says claiming to be wise because they always claim to be smarter than us, right? You see these, these people, ah, we need a secular holiday. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols that were made in the image of people and animals. The, the creation, instead of worshiping the creator, they're worshiping the created things. Those that suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And that word suppress me again means to, to hold back, to keep quiet or to hinder. And there's a danger of truth suppression. Again, it's loss of meaning, it's loss of purpose, and eventually it's loss of truly what life is about. Thanklessness leads to foolishness. It's going to lead you to do things that are harmful, not just to you, to society as a whole. It brings about darkness in the mind and confusion because instead of worshiping the glorious ever living God, they worshiped idols that were made in their own image. And so if you look at verse 24, here's the wrath of God in action. So God abandoned them. Yours may say God turned them over 
to do whatever shameful things their hearts desire. God won't abide the rebellion of you worshiping something else and still trying to live underneath His goodness and graciousness. He has to, because He's holy and just, turn you over to your own foolish ideas about what life is like and to suffer under the consequences of those decisions. God reveals His wrath by turning us over to that which we've chosen to worship instead of Him. What we give thank- Again, who are we giving thanks to? If it's secular, who are we giving thanks to? The government? I don't know. Ourselves? Somebody who helped us along? Who are we giving thanks to if not to Him? Because we're going to be worshiping something. Worship isn't just, well, I don't sing or raise my hands to to, to anybody else but God, so I'm only worshiping Him. Who, Who has my heart and my attention and my devotion? Worship is much more than just singing. It is singing, but it's so much more than just Singing, And we are worshipers. We're created to glorify God and then image him to his creation. But the bent that sin causes in that is I worship other things that have a likeness of him. But then I'm able to control and to monitor and to deal with. Instead of worshiping him, understanding the truth of who he is, what he's done and what he's done for us, we exchange that. It says they exchanged, one of the translations says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped the creature instead of the creator. It says who is blessed forever. Amen. And so we get to live under the rulership of what it is that we worship. Whatever we're putting highest up in our life, we're going to live under the rulership of that. That's what it's talking about. And the question is, is that him? Is this, will this be Thanksgiving for us? It's just like my dad said, it's not Thanksgiving for everybody. Is it going to be a Thanksgiving for us? We don't want to be suppressors of the truth. We want to be proclaimers of the truth. All the goodness that we've received in him. And how thankful we are. Though that humbles us, He still receives us in our humble state. It says there are those that know of God, but they don't worship Him as God. And they aren't thankful. And we were at least once in that number. And we don't ever want to be again. We don't ever want to be again. So again, we have all the stuff. We, we get together. We have all the food. You can still have sweet potato casserole. You can have all of the things. We can watch football. We can spend time together. But wh- what's the direction? What's the posture of my heart? Is it about him and others or is this about me? I get that because you see that more too. It's the ownership of the holiday. I want the good feelings that this holiday time gives me. And it, and it burns out so quick and so fast and it's so uh, weak in actually satisfying us. But you see that it's like, oh, I just I'm, I'm in my feels about this. I got this. Oh, we, we've got this. up. It feels like Christmas is coming. It feels like the holiday is here. But again, what's the posture? Is he the center of it? You can have all that other stuff as long as he is the blazing center of it. Because how is it Thanksgiving if we're not giving thanks. And if we are, whom are we giving it to? We can have all of that, but who are we giving thanks to? And so we we just consider for ourselves, 
have I, have I even come close to losing the meaning of what this holiday is? Of focusing on all that God has given to everything that's mine in Him. Am I thankful for it? Am I celebrating the truth of God's power and mercy and faithfulness? Or again, is this just about me? Because the secular holidays, which is oxymoron, secular holiday, holy day, that makes sense. But a secular holiday, it is, it's just about me. It's about me, the celebrations that I get to have, that I get to enjoy, it's about me. But Thanksgiving Day for us, it's not prescribed in Scripture, but it's a grace that has come about through tradition and through history, given to us by God to point us to Him, to remind us who He is to us and to give us a chance to tell our kids why we do what we do. Why are we doing what we're doing? Because we've got a whole generation of kids that the only thing they know about Thanksgiving is football and people go fight at Black Friday sales. Right? That's what it's, it's developed into that. We got to hurry up and eat because we can get over there and get a TV. They better not get in my way when I'm getting them hand towels. I was ready last year. I'll throw hands on a hand towel. Right? And so where does the truth land if we're not sharing it? We can't take for granted that they're just going to pick up what we're thinking. They're just going to pick up what we're feeling. We've got to share it. If you're going somewhere and they're, they're, they don't normally say the blessing, say, hey, can, can I say the blessing this year? It don't have to be big and long. It doesn't. But it can be, God, we thank you. You're good. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name. Because that's who we pray through and to. Amen. What's the focus? And if you're not, if you're not one that speaks out, you don't have to. You don't feel like you got a crusade for Thanksgiving. But where is your heart in it? Where is our heart in it? So a little bit in closing, you're like, man, he's going to punch all the holidays. Why don't you wrap it up? In closing, just so that we have some mindfulness about this, a little bit of homework. Everybody loves homework. We're learning virtual. You can do it at home. What are we thankful for? And who are we thanking? Just get you a piece of paper and start writing it down. What are you thankful for? What do you get to enjoy and appreciate in life that you probably, definitely don't deserve? I don't deserve to have this, but yet I have it. Thank you. I'm so thankful that I have this. It, my life would be so much more difficult if I didn't have this. And we, just, we can make out a list of what we're thankful for. And then who are we thanking for it? I mean, are we just letting that roll up to our parents or our grandparents that gave it to us or this person that helped me? Or does it roll up high enough that it hits him? And that that worship and that thankfulness lands on him and not just what somebody else down here on the ground did for us because we can turn it into where we look to ourselves or even others for what we're thankful for without letting it roll and again they may have done something nice for you I can thank Kemper for something he's done for me but it also needs to roll up God thank you for Kemper right you see it rolls all the way up in worship and adoration for him and then we just take it all to him the good feelings that we have on the holidays, the bad feelings that we have on the holidays, the successes that we feel when everything's going well. And then, hey, well, I burnt the turkey and everybody's coming. What are we going to do? You know, is it ruin Thanksgiving or just go, well, thankful that we got another option. It may not be the best option, but it'll be another option. We just take it 
all to him, the wins and the losses, the celebrations and the regrets. And that's what we want to learn in this, that he's the one that we go to. Hey, it's called Thanksgiving. Why do you think it's called that? Who, who are we thanking? You're going to freak some people out. You start asking them that. Why? Because they haven't thought about it. Because in their mind, that's not what it is. That's the name, but it's so separated from what it is that it's not what it is anymore. And man, wouldn't it be great if we got back to it? We take it all to him. And then we, we don't want to be, verse 21, those that knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. We want to be the reverse of that. They knew God. They worshiped him as God. And they were thankful. We want to be a part of that group. Amen. Stand up with me as we get ready to pray and Andrew's going to come so we can sing together. Thanksgiving can and will be such a special time for you if you just make sure he's involved in it. If you make sure for you that he's the center of it. it'll be so. Anybody ever had just awful holidays before? Just terrible ones? Yeah, we've all experienced that. Like this was just terrible. It was like the worst one ever. Right. I think there was one. Maybe it was New Year's one time. Like my whole family got the or my parents at least got the flu. We didn't get to do anything. It was awful. My worst Thanksgiving, I had to work at Walmart on Thanksgiving. And Kelly went and had Thanksgiving with my family and ate my Mimi's dressing. I felt really low. Why? Because I didn't get to be involved in all the stuff that I had originally enjoyed. Worst Christmas, I was sick. I had to stay home. Didn't get to go. I was running fever. I was like, I can't go. I got fever. Everybody's going to be going different places. I don't even know what I have. So I had to sit home and watch Christmas on FaceTime. It was the saddest thing in the world. <laughs> but you know what? It reminded, it, 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 after I got over the, man, this is terrible. All right, love y'all. Beep. What am I going to do now? Heat up a burrito, I guess. I don't know. But it reminded me of what I was actually thankful for. I wasn't like, oh, I didn't get to be there. I didn't get to open my prison. I didn't get to see everybody. I didn't get to be around them. I didn't get to tell them, you know, how much fun I was having just being there with them. And again, you're, you may have people in your life that whether you know it or not, this may be the last holiday you have with them. You don't want to let things go unsaid. It's just fine to tell people, I'm happy you're here today. I'm really am glad I get to see you. Tell them, it'll help them, it'll help you just as much or more. It'll help you just as much or more. And Kelly was showing me, you know, Facebook has the memories and she was like, I posted this two years ago, it was Thanksgiving. And she said something like, take some time, like don't rush through this because it was after her dad had passed away. A couple months after that, she said, don't, you know, don't rush this time. Spend time with your family. Enjoy it. Don't, don't get in such a hurry that you miss out on the actual blessings of this time. And she scrolled down and she's like, look, this one person commented on it. She said she died about two months after that. She's like, I didn't realize it when it happened. She, she, she passed away unexpectedly two months after that. She said the same thing. Like, yes, that's awesome. Great, great encouragement, Kelly. That's exactly what, what we need to hear. So we don't take it for granted. We don't take anything we have for granted. We take everything to Him in worship and thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You so much. 
Thank you for who you are, that you've revealed yourself, that you are there. And God, we, we, we want to know you more so that we can worship you more, more purely. And God, and our thankfulness will always be growing. God, wherever it is right now, that it's, that it's growing. That we don't ever have a sense of entitlement or this is about me, God, but that we'll be so much more happy in you when we're thankful just to be with you. I thank you that you do help us navigate any, any of these weird situations that may come up over the holidays. God, anything that would be difficult or hard or, or even painful. God, I thank you that you're there with us in that. You can comfort us in that and you can lead us into bringing the light into those places that we can carry our thankfulness and our gratitude to you as we go. And Lord, now that'll be a blessing to others that this Thanksgiving will be about giving thanks to you. We will hold on to that meaning and we'll pass it on to those that are coming along behind us. God, that you will bring to our mind just little things that we can do, that we can start this year, that will remain. Just like that Passover, you know, that things will remain that point to you even after we're gone and the next generation after that has taken over, God, that there are going to be the things that point to you because that is what they need the most. As we get ready to go today, God, thank you that you, you've, you've brought us together. You stay, be, be with those that are out separated from us today. Lord, even though we know distance from them right now, you know no distance. You cross all of those bounds. You are with them right where they are. And I thank you that you bless them and minister to them as they have need. And as we go today, that we do so in peace and unity together with each other and that you bring us safely back together. Lord, relieve us from this virus. Relieve us from the fear and the oppression that would want to come on because of it. I thank you that we're free from that in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that we walk in your goodness all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.